the thoughts and opinions expressed here are mine. The statements are not to be applied to every parent and child. I do not profess to be a Bible scholar, pastor, preacher, deacon, deaconess, etc. I just happen to love reading the Bible. This podcast is my interpretation of the story of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. It's a cautionary tale about what happens when parents don't discipline their children and how the lack of discipline could possibly affect future generations especially if you piss off God. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 3, 9, and 17 And 22 through 36 Verse 3 This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. In the first book of Samuel chapter 1 verse 3 we begin with an introduction of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. For those who aren't familiar with the backstory of how they became priests, here's a synopsis. God originally chose Moses for the position. Moses begged God to choose someone else. Exasperated, God chose his older brother Aaron. Moses was afraid that Aaron would become jealous if he took the leadership role seeing as he was the younger brother. Ithamar was the youngest son of Aaron which made Eli a direct descendant. Neither Eli's father nor mother are mentioned. As sons of Eli Hophni and Pine has became priests. Moses' lineage would have been chosen for the priesthood had he accepted the position. Back to the story. Verse 9 So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Verse 12 And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Verse 13 Now Hannah spoke with her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. We go down to verse 17. Verse 17 Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. Hannah prays and Eli ear hustles, he could see her lips moving but no words were coming out. He accused her of being drunk. Hannah sets him straight and he sends her off with the customary prayer. 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 12 through 17. Verse 12 Now the sons of Eli were corrupt, they did not know the Lord. We get a description of Eli's boys from God's point of view. In King James Version, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless and wicked, they knew not the Lord. When God calls you worthless and were wicked, that thing hit a little different. Although the young men spend every day doing their duties, they fail to cultivate a personal relationship with God. Verse 13 In the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Verse 14 Then he would thrust it into the pan, or kettle, or cauldron or pot, and the priests would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Verse 15 Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, 
Give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. Verse 16 And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Verse 17 Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. The Israelites went to Shiloh once a year to sacrifice their livestock. The receiving priest was responsible for determining whether the animal was with or without defect. The sacrifice given was an atonement, meaning to right a wrong or injury, for their sins. God had specific instructions on how he wanted his sacrifices which were implemented by the priest. This was called a fellowship offering. The offerer brought a live animal to the tent of meeting entrance. He lays his hand on the animal's head and slaughters it. The priest sprinkles the blood in various places inside the tent of meeting. He pours the remainder of the blood out at the base of the altar. The Lord's portion is all the fat from the animal, the internal organs, and the long lobe of the liver. The meat and the fat were then set ablaze. The aroma of atonement was pleasing to God. Everyone was prohibited to eat any fat or blood of any animal. Any man who did consume fat was to be cut off from their peeps. The priest would wave the breast and right thigh at the altar before the Lord which was called a wave offering. These portions were given to the priests and their families as sons as their share. The remainder was taken home to feed the family with the stipulation that it had to be eaten within two days. Hophni and Phinehas' servants were sticking the fork into the pot and taking out portions that didn't belong to them. They demanded the meat prior to the fat being burned on the altar and or the meat being boiled. The offerers didn't have any objection to giving the servants the meat but insisted that they wait until the proper procedures were followed. If the offerer didn't give it over the servants threatened to take it. Now you know God was pissed off with them they were eating portions that hadn't been assigned to them and they were eating fat that wasn't for human consumption. The offerers began to grumble and they no longer wanted to atone for their sins because of Hophni and Phinehas' behavior. We skip down to 22 through 36. Verse 22 Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. As if the portions they were taking and consuming weren't enough, they further angered God by treating the front of the tabernacle like a whorehouse. These women were first introduced in the following scripture. Exodus 38 verse 8 They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The book of Samuel doesn't give much information about the women except that they assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They stood on each side and guarded the tabernacle when the Levite men were at war. In Exodus, the women took their mirrors and made bronze basins out of the mirrors for the men to wash their hands and feet before entering the sanctuary. Hophni and Phinehas were having sex with the women. These women were likely married to the Levite men. The following scriptures refer to the Levite men who worked at the tent of meeting. Numbers 8:24 This is what pertains to the Levites, 
From 25 years old and above one may enter to perform service in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Numbers 8.26 They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting, to attend to needs, but they themselves shall do no work. Thus you shall do to the Levites regarding their duties. We continue with verse 23. Verse 23 So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Verse 24 Now, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Verse 25 If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father, because the Lord desired to kill them. The Israelites were sick of the men and complained to Eli who took the complaint to his sons. You would think that Eli would do more than just scold them. Perhaps he could fire them? Eli was probably afraid to do that, but he wasn't afraid of God. Hophni and Phinehas ignored him as they had done in the past. The men hadn't experienced the wrath of God. They probably heard stories about what God had done in the past. Surely God wasn't going to do anything to them. They probably had been getting away with this behavior for years. Verse 26, And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and men. Samuel is growing to be a man not only after God's own heart, but the people as well. He was going to be a welcome relief from Hophni and Phinehas. Verse 27, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? A man of God is what they called prophets back in the day. God probably went over to a neighboring town and told the prophet, Will you go over there and tell that fool what I'm about to do to him, his family, and his entire lineage? Verse 28, Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? So, God goes back to the beginning when he chose Aaron's lineage as priests. Verse 29, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all offerings of Israel, my people? God notes here that Eli was afraid of his son's wrath more than he was afraid of him. Eli neglected his duty as a parent and his duty in serving the Lord. Verse 30, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Verse 31 Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Verse 32 And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. Verse 33, But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. 
and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Verse 34, Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. Verse 35, Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. God is always many steps ahead of us. He had Samuel in place. God probably thought I can kill two birds with one stone, no pun intended. Verse 36, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and say, Please, put me in one of the priestly positions, that I may eat a piece of bread. Long gone would be the times when they would take liberties with women and demand the prime cuts of meat. Instead, they would beg for a full-time position just to get a piece of bread from the man who would replace them. 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1 through 18. Verse 1 Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, there was no widespread revelation. Samuel was on the fast track to priesthood. During this time God rarely spoke to anyone about anything and there were a limited amount of visions. Verse 2 And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Eli is starting to lose his sight, but believe me there wasn't anything wrong with his hearing. Verse 3 And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down. Samuel and Eli slept in the temple close to the lampstand. Verse 4 That the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. Verse 5 So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6 Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call, my son, lie down again. Verse 7 Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Verse 8 And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Samuel heard someone call his name and he went to Eli. Eli was like I didn't call you, go lie down. Samuel hears someone call his name again, he gets up again and goes to Eli and says, Here, I am, you called me. Eli is like I didn't call you, go lie down. Verse 9 Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. It finally dawns on Eli that it is the Lord calling Samuel. He tells him to go lay down and tells him what to say. I know Samuel was like Grandpa you could have told me that two go lay downs ago. Verse 10 Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, 
for your servant hears. Something to think about. It could be that when God was speaking to Samuel, he wasn't asleep. At least it doesn't say that he was asleep. It just states that he was laying down. We don't know how God spoke to Samuel if he stood next to Samuel and called him. Or, if he called him from the Holy of the Holies which was his room in the back of the temple. Just a personal note, I think that God uses voices that are familiar to us so as not to scare us. I have heard God use different voices throughout my life. He only used the voice from the heavens once with me and that was one time too many. It scared me almost to death. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I thought surely all my windows were shattered, but they were intact, and no one had heard my name being called from the heavens but me. I asked that he not use the voice from the heavens anymore and he honored my request. Verse 11 Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. The terror he was about to put on the boys and Eli would make people who heard about this destruction's ears tingle. To me it sounds like he would do something so terrifying that people would grab their ears, probably not being able to stand the horror. Verse 12, In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. Verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. Verse 14, And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Verse 15 So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. Verse 16 Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel my son. He answered, Here I am. Samuel is nervous about having to give Eli this information. Who would want to tell their mentor about the destruction that the Lord is about to send? Verse 17 And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Verse 18 Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Eli had resigned himself and his family and he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli knows that Samuel had a talk with God the night before. He says come and tell me everything God has told you. I'm surprised that he wasn't ear-hustling on the conversation. But then again God has a way of speaking to you so that no one but you hears. 1 Samuel Chapter 4, verse 1 through 18. Verse 1 And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Ephek. They joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. 
the Philistines attacked and defeated the Israelites. They lost four thousand men. Verse two. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about four thousand men of the army in the field. Verse three. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said. Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. The Israelites decided to take the ark of covenant this time to assure a win against the Philistines. Verse four. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts. Who dwells between the cherubim, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. The Ark of the Covenant is a gold-plated wooden chest with two cherubim whose wings meet in the middle of the chest. The gold lid is called the Mercy Seat. Inside the Ark are two tablets with the Ten Commandments, a golden pot of manna, and Aaron's rod had a bud on it. Verse five. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp. All Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Verse six. Now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, "What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean?" Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Verse seven. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, "God has come into the camp," and they said, "Woe to us! For such a thing has never happened before." When the soldiers went out with the Ark of the Covenant before them, the Philistines heard noises so loud that the ground shook. They all scattered like roaches when they heard that the Ark was coming into the camp. The Israelites took the Ark, but it was missing the main ingredient, God. Verse eight. Woe to us! Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Philistines, Philistines! The Philistines realized the power of God more so than the Israelites. The Philistine remembered the God from Pharaoh days. You know the not letting the people go, Pharaoh. Verse nine: Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. Ain't that like a leader telling you to be a man while they stay in the tent, supposedly coming up with strategies? Yeah, whatever. Verse ten. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel thirty thousand foot soldiers. The Israelites took the ark. But it was missing the main ingredient, God. Sadly, the Israelites didn't get the win, and they lost thirty thousand soldiers that day. Verse eleven. Also, the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Not only did they lose the soldiers, but the Philistines captured the ark. Verse twelve. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day. And came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Verse thirteen. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God.
And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. Verse 14 When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Verse 15 Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Verse 16 Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle. And I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? Verse 17 So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Verse 18 Then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken and he died, for the man was old and heavy. And he had judged Israel forty years. Eli was told that both of his sons died in battle. Then he was told that the ark had been captured. Eli fell over backward and broke his neck. The Lord's promise was fulfilled. Eli's unwillingness to discipline his sons and his sons' greed and corruption caused their lineage to be cursed by God. There were more priests from Aaron's lineage like Eleazar son of Aaron, Phinehas son of Eleazar, Abishua son of Phinehas. God kept his promise to Aaron. These days mothers and fathers do not discipline like they did when I was growing up and while I don't believe in some of the discipline methods from the past, I believe that proper discipline should be implemented early on in childhood. Parents are leaving the disciplining of their children up to schools and other authority figures. Lately, we hear about a school shooting at least once a year. Teachers are being beaten by their students and children are killing their parents. I believe these things are more prevalent these days because parents aren't spending time disciplining their children or just spending time with them instead of giving them an electronic device to pacify them. When I first of all we didn't have the electronic devices that we have today. Our parents put the fear of God, literally, in us. We were scared to bring home a bad report card or note from the teacher. If we were disrespectful to our parents or some authority figure we paid for it. I believe that discipline, fear of the consequences, and a sense of right and wrong kept us in line. Today there is no mention of God in schools. Children are no longer learning about God in the home. They don't attend church nor are they taught about spirituality. Children no longer fear God nor do they think there is a heaven or a hell. None of us know whether there is a heaven or hell, but I would rather believe than be surprised at the end of time. I believe that if children were taught more about God some would choose the road less traveled as well. Be the one in your lineage who changes it for the better. That is it for this podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Keep an eye out for the next podcast.